you selling any of your new loots? Yes. What are you selling? Uh, the Wand of the War Mage plus one. Four coins. Okay. Anything else, guys? Um, I thought we got other shit. You had a lot of magic items. Uh, we got, I have the Necklace of Adaptation, but I'm going to keep that. Yeah, no. I don't like being cloud killed. Well, you guys each. So there was four things we got. I right. kept the long. Or I kept the long sword. She got you. You kept the uh, the the necklace. You got that I got, and then you guys each got something. I, I, and I got oh, the wand. Oh, mage. I got the uh, the the golden mandolin. Yes, the mandolin is worth six. The El Cabal. six. And we're good with selling that. Yeah, no reason to keep it, right? Nobody's cool. Like you, you can turn around and sell it for like eighteen. That's fine. Uh, next up, um, is there anything we want to buy from this guy? Uh, what's he got on tap? He has a whole bunch of random magic shit. Uh, so I, I will just pitch, and I've gotten so many upgrades this session, it's crazy. So if you guys want something, please speak up. But he did have a suit of plus one plate mail that isn't devil iconographied mm-hmm. uh, for sale last time we were here. And I would gladly take that if nobody wants to spend any money on anything more important. Um, you guys don't have to read the DMG to know what he has on tap. If there's something that you want, if you're like, I just wish I had a better weapon, I can tell you what he has. I, I don't know, like, I'm a wizard, so I'm kind of just like, whatever. Yeah, you're kind of jacked out. I'm right kind of maxed out on my shit, so whatever y'all feel like. Is there anything that can increase my movement so I can fucking book around? Shoes of speed or something? Yeah, he has uh, boots of springing and striding. What about Cloak of the Flip-flops Bat? Flip-flops of fucking off. Uh, cloak of the Bat. I don't know what it does. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that would increase your movement speed, but it give you fly speed. <laughs> Flying Ranger. And it could be Batman. Birkenstocks of book in it. I'm just going through all the superheroes in my in my particular idiom. Uh, of Cruise of the Bat. Advantage oh, on Christ. stealth checks. And in dim or dark light, you can grab the uh, edges of the robe and fly 40 feet. Uh, yeah, he has that. It'll be 12. I, I like the... Give me the boots. What was it? What's the... Uh, boots of striding and springing. Uh, let's see. It makes your walking speed 30 unless it already is 30. Um, and it's never reduced by being encumbered or wearing heavy armor. You can jump three times your normal distance, uh, although you can't jump farther than your movement would normally allow. There's nothing that just, uh, makes my speed go faster? Uh, I'll say he has boots that do exactly that. Plus ten movement, uh, twelve points. I'd like to go faster so I can move around the battlefield quicker. They're a pair of bright red cowboy boots. (laughs) They are yours. No, they're the, uh, they're the Velcro sneakers that when you hair up, uh, when you step, the, the heels light up. Achilles? Oh, no, no, no. no. Just, um, yeah. Those, those things. Those thumb dings, yeah. And how much was the suit of plate mail? It was on sale last time we were here, but that was a while ago. We also uh, got a discount. You also got a discount. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call it 18. Anybody care if I spend 18 coins? How many coins do we have? 40. Oh. Also, as a reminder, uh, he took the oath bow from 30 to 25. Oh, I forgot about the fucking oath bow. Maybe I should do the oath bow instead of these fucking boots of speed. Can you uh, read the oath bow to us again? Yeah, I can. Somebody give uh, Hera a kick in the ass. Get out of there, hey. you little butt. Hey, don't be an asshole. You little butt. Over here. Uh, yeah, the oath bow is uh, kind of bananas. It is, uh, let's see. It does require a verbal component to use. You have to talk to the bow when you do it. Um, but like a, we have to whisper sweet nothing. It's like a caddy shackle of Billy Burr, Billy Burr, Billy Burr. <laughs> <laughs> um, It makes the target of your attack your sworn enemy for seven days. Or oh. until it dies. Um, seven days. Whenever they die, you can choose a new target. Uh, when you make an attack roll with a weapon against your sworn enemy, you have advantage on that roll. In addition, they get no benefit from cover, uh, and you suffer no disadvantage due to long range. If it hits, it does an extra 3d6 damage. But you get disadvantage to shoot people who are not your target. 
So you can only shoot that person. So you pick one guy and shoot dead. him to death. That seems like an assassin thing to me. Yeah. Pick it's, one guy, shoot him till he's dead. It's arguably the coolest magic item. Yeah. I mean, I would not. I would not argue if you wanted that. Yeah. So. Um. Fuck the boots. So take back the twelve for whatever the boots. There you and, go. Uh, I forgot about this oak bow. Yeah. Is it just in the DMG? It is just in the DMG. Okay. I'll, I can uh, my only requirement is because it is a really cool item. You must name it before the next session. Okay. Fran. <laughs> Raging boner. Celery. <laughs> Celery. Kale. <laughs> wow. uh, and how much was the plus one plate mill? Uh, 12. Maybe I should name it after a goat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any goats. Uh, so we're sitting at 27. Does anybody have an argument with me spending 12 to get a plus one plate mill? No. All right. Oath goat. Oath goat. Oath goat. <laughs> goat, <laughs> goat ball. And, and, and the command word is ba. <laughs> 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 I hate this party. <laughs> when we're trying not to be Spelljammer, but it's Xander's so. <laughs> All right. Let's so, be real, though. At high level and Avernus, it's basically Spelljammer. Yeah. All right. So at 19 HC now, I feel like I could stop casting Shield of Faith and just pump fucking haste all the time. Yeah. Um, I still we have you've had haste all this time. I Well, you know, it, it's a delicate balance. I don't want to yeah. do it all the time either. Uh, so we are at 15 soul coins. Do we need anything else? Uh, potions would be nice because we are potions now are getting into the part of the game where we're gonna get mm. into some fucking. So I believe superior is the big big. <coughs> uh, it's, I believe that's the better than greater one. Yeah, it's yes. Right. Yeah, it's the eight d four plus eight. I think. Yeah. yeah. Wait, eight d four plus eight. Yeah. You said forty four. That's a greater. Yeah. Right? I, I that was superior. Oh, superior. I'm sorry. I should change yeah. you. Yeah, I thought it was, you said greater. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I said superior. Uh, superior is eight d four plus eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but superior ones, they do have those available in Sarkozy's market. They are four coins apiece. You want to just give everybody one for an emergency yeah. fuck? Yeah. If I sell my longbow plus one, how many coins do we get? Four. All right. Let's do that. So we're sitting at three. Uh, next question. How much can we sell Van Thamper's car for? Uh, ten. Nice. Uh, Nobody maybe. has any issue with selling the car, right? Nope. All right. They let you know that's kind of like, um, it's a Fort Knucklebone special because you guys are kind of celebrities. Normally they don't deal in that kind of shit. Okay. They're basically not a spray and pray, but they are going to take it anyway because they like you and they hate her and... We can part it out. Yeah, and chop shop. Yeah, All the right, next so... group of assholes who rolls through that Maggie needs him to do and give him that car. And I don't want to turnstile this decision to sell the car too much, but I do want to say, like, after we turn in the Phlegathosian Sand and use the Dream Machine, like, we've pretty much done what Maggie wants us to do. I don't know how much campaign is left, but what if she's like, okay, well, you're done borrowing my car now since you've done all the things I wanted, and now we need a motor transportation. Do we want to wait and sell it after we've done the Dream Machine? So, uh, DM intervening to stop the turnstile possibility. Um, you guys have done all the things that she wanted you to do for the positive reputation. Mm -hmm. One of the rewards of that is you get to keep the car. <gasps> Wow. I mean, you we did, did register it, get place for it, put it yeah. on the road. We're paying the insurance on it. You did all the chores. You uh, worked with Vice. You got her the wig. Basically, all the side quests that affect her, you did all of those. I feel like Ralph Macho with a karate kid when Miyagi <laughs> gives him an old car. <laughs> Wax on, whack off. Um, <laughs> can do, boss. <laughs> all right, cool. That's sell, sell, sell Slay Devil. <laughs> sell the shitty car, and we're keeping the screen machine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've right. got we've put the, like the bumper stickers on it. You really can't get those off. All right, so went back to the classic. You're ditching the upgrade. You're going with the classic. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Although, uh, let me ask a hypothetical question. Yes. 
What would Chucka and Clonk? Oh, I don't know. Eh, no, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to ask. Do we want to hire them to? Uh, to, to I was I her. was going to ask how much would it cost to put a Jackal Daddy style flamethrower on this bitch, but then we have to sacrifice the harpoon, and we have such a history of keeping yeah. Yeah, if you want the flamethrower, they can absolutely do it. They have the parts before soul coins to make the swap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does more damage, swap. but obviously you don't have all the benefits of harpooning. Yeah. I do love some. Food. I feel like that's our that's <laughs> kind of our thing. Yeah, that's like a brand it new is, thing. It is what we're known for. There's What's also the more, thing? there's more utility in a harpoon. Like we can do it for doing stuff other than keel hauling too. Like and we can fire a rope up to a higher level and we can climb the rope. Like yeah, and it's, it's a bit more down delicate yeah. than a flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say let's keep the harpoon. Hmm. I, I was I was I was kind of in love with uh, Lulu using the flamethrower for a minute, but the uses of that are actually kind of limited down here. So yeah. I wonder if we can get a mural wraparound mural painted on one side with a wizard the, on the side. One, one side it's the it's the it's the <laughs> machine. <laughs> it's the machine has just fired a rope, and when you follow it along to a rope, there's a devil being heel hauled on the other side. Uh, they can do the detailing work for you. They actually know a guy. It'll be two soul coins to get the detail. Worth it. I'm spending it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Can we get the spinning rims too? Yes, uh, that's part of the detailing work. They also get a nice clean. Nice. Yeah. Oh, do they they put the little pine tree? Oh, little yes, and it smells like vegetable soup, and it reminds me of the neon runners underneath the vegetable soup and boards. It's one of those little hanging Christmas trees, but it's a white Christmas tree, and there's a banshee stuck in it. Yes, so it looks like a hover car. Yeah. All right, uh, are you turning in the Phlegathosian sand? Yes, ma'am. Yes, we are. Are you ready? She pours it in the gas tank and ruins the cup. <laughs> she drinks it. Um, are you ready she for a cutscene? Yes, I'm going to stand up for this cutscene because my butt's falling asleep again. I guess, yeah. We all ready? Yeah. I assume you have music picked up for this? I have many musics. Good. Is it Joe Jett again? No. <laughs> it's, Maggie. It's the Mahoney's music. It is, actually. Mad Maggie uh, leads you to a side chamber along with Lulu, uh, as well as a number of other imps and red caps that are here to assist. The red caps are forced to wear little lab coats and they hate it. They're like chihuahuas and tutus. <laughs> In the center of the room is a small surgery table where there are a number of straps designed for a creature about Lulu's size. Lulu is strapped down in the surgery table as she puffs on her cigar. Are you guys sure about this? Yeah! Oh. What in the fuck is going on? This is no, the dream machine. No, here's the thing. If I want to, if I want to take a ride on this, okay. I want to see Why the she first. Because she's the one whose dreams were. Yeah, created. we're plumbing Lulu's oh, dreams as part oh, of. We're about to do like oh, oh, not so delicate brain oh, surgery. Okay, okay. Yeah, remember that Lulu can't recall what happened, so this is supposed to pull his memories out. Oh God. Uh, and then she calls Vice, Vice, get your little camera. We're going to need to record all of these things. <laughs> she claps. Yes, yes. All of you, all of you, onto your platforms. There are four platforms set aside. What? 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 <laughs> she says, oh, yes. H- have I not explained? <laughs> no! No, you haven't. Oh. <laughs> nice. I'm already standing up on a platform like, what? What did I miss? <laughs> we signed a hellish DNR. <laughs> when we do these sorts of um, <clears throat> memory dives, uh, you aren't transported, of course, back in time. It's not time travel. It's, it's a memory, memory relocation kind of reclamation. But you're still in quite a lot of danger. So we stay on the platforms to not be in danger? Well, you're going to be transported to these memories. You'll have more control of... You'll be in less danger if you're on the platforms, yes. Sounds great. Okay, I hop on up. Do I get to keep my hammer? Ah, 
in, in a sense. <laughs> I look like a puppy dog at all of you. It's going to be here when you get back. Don't worry. It, it's like Do you remember what your hammer looks like? Yes. Then you will have your hammer. I've memorized. It's got two faces, and it doesn't have two dwarf faces on either side. It's, it's a very sharp hammer. You, know? <laughs> you can have a lollipop when we're done. I like, I like the hammer. <laughs> Tastes like blood. Uh, as you stand up on the platforms, there are these little leather straps, and the red caps come in, and they start strapping you guys into the machine. Uh... And you can hear them chanting a little song: "Hold them down, strap them tight, kill who we want in the night." Less <laughs> 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 endearing. I'm glad I kicked one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were all strapped into your various devices. There are straps that go over your uh, ankles. There's a strap that goes over your midsection and a strap that goes over your chest. Your arms are free to move and your head is free to move. Okay. You do feel like you have enough control of your body that if you needed to, you could kind of awkwardly like unbuckle behind the plant. Like you could free yourself if you really have If we get freaked out. Yeah. Okay. If it gets to be too much. <laughs> and she says, everyone tell me when you're ready for the cutscene. <laughs> I'm ready, Maggie. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> There's a lot that's about to happen. Get your notes ready if you're a note-taking kind of person. Paul's already got this. I'm just gonna scribble. <laughs> you're just told Paul. <laughs> He's not gonna be able to read his notes in a weekend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Try. Thank God we have a podcast. Yeah. This campaign wouldn't work without it. In nope. all honesty. Alright. So as all of you were strapped in, there's sort of like a shield pulled down over your face. There's a yellow glass. There's a tube that comes up towards your mouth. And uh, Maggie says, That's just to ensure that you don't choke on your own bile when you're traveling through time. Fair. Very thoughtful. Delightful. I've thought of everything. <laughs> it probably will work. Because <laughs> you've never done this before? I've never had the machine in working order. <laughs> anyway, good luck! And she pulls a lever. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? There is a strange sort of like wind blowing sound that would pass your ears, this rushing sensation, your stomach drops out, you feel like you're about to get motion sick. Um, for a moment, it's really difficult to tell any sound from another sound. It's just all loud whooshing noise to you. Uh, and then all of you sort of open your eyes up at the same time, and there's this sort of featureless white void. And then slowly materializing as if mist taking shape, you see the contraption around you in this white void uh, with Lulu in the center. And Lulu seems to be sort of frozen in the moment of time. She's just like, she is pinned at the wrists and ankles like she really can't go anywhere. And the four of you are looking down on top of her, but you're looking across the way. And Dragomir, you look across the way and you see Ingrid and you see Zanzer and you see Dragomir. And Zanzer, you look across and you see Ingrid and Dragomir and across the way you see Zanzer. And each of you are looking across the way, and you see yourself on the opposite side. Start looking at my hands to see if I have the Gauntlet Smoker power on. And since you can't really move your hands in the dream state that you're currently in, you like you can feel your arms move, but you don't. The vision doesn't react in that way. Are we in the wrong bodies? You hear Mad Maggie's voice cackling out of the white void all around you. Ah, um, that's on. Uh, one moment. And there's this high-pitched metal squeal. Everybody's vision blurs. And now you're all looking out of the correct sets of eyes. <laughs> That's better. Now give me a moment to synchronize your soul streams with this heartstone. Ingrid seems a little choleric. I know for a moment there I wanted to shatter something. 
Uh, the white void slowly morphs and shifts and phases in and out of this like weird, sickeningly pink, like fluffy landscape. It looks like cotton candy. That slowly comes more and more into focus until it, finally it solidifies around all of you, and it appears to be a sort of weird, fleshy pink construct with uh, little rivers of gray and blue through it. Are we in a brain? We are. You should all be in the same beam now. <laughs> this might hurt a little. I'm going to adjust the machine to harmonize with her sticks tainted memories. The landscape begins to undulate precipitously. It seems to accelerate unevenly in a semi-random direction, rushing past each of you, as well as Lulu, in this dizzying display of color. Then pieces of the pink fluff seem to either desiccate or decay, turning into faded brown patches, or in some cases, a dripping black sludge. I don't like that. The effect accelerates. More and more of the pink fluff is turning into a sickening morass that swirls about the pieces in a whirl of multi-shaded black and brown. Don't like that. Allergic to brain sludge. Did we just give Lulu brain cancer? <laughs> no, we are Lulu's brain cancer. We are the brain cancer. And then, the vision changes. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. The black sludge sloughs away to reveal a field of battle. It is chaotic. The battle lines of the Zerialite Crusaders have made a ravening mass of gnolls, and the front lines are a frantic melee. Xanzer is just plucking an arrow free from the dead body of a gnoll. You are all combatants in the war. Lulu is nearby, and Zeriel is mounted atop her in mammoth form. But even in that moment of respite, Zeriel cries out, Lulu! Help the line here! I'm going to get a lay of the land! Zeriel shoots straight up into the air, and a huge clot of gnolls comes running down the hill. Uh, this is a two-round skill challenge. Each of you are combatants in this memory. Oh, fuck And yeah. you can hear Maggie's voice, Ow! Um, do your best to kill them, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Ah, love this. <laughs> uh, who would like to go first? It's a skill challenge, you say? It is a two-round skill challenge. Um... Uh, can I use my insight to sort of see where there might be an opening and direct people towards... Absolutely. The way the skill challenge is going to work, by the way, uh, I want everybody to have to use what the previous person did to build on the story. Ooh, so. okay. Cool. okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So, all right, so I'm looking for weak spots in the, uh, the null horde or, like, openings and things like that. Oh, come on, be better than that. That's oh. an 11. Alright, uh, roll a d6 for me. Three. Three. Alright, uh, when Three you... Three fuck you in the ass. You're looking around, the three of you can see Ingrid looking around, I'll find us a way, and you're looking around, and you, the, there's just nothing. It's a wall of gnolls. It's a carpet of them. You can't find anything. And you can hear Lulu's voice, Don't worry, boss, I got this! Mm -hmm. And a giant golden mammoth comes rushing past you. It's impossible if it's behind you. Mm -hmm. But it comes rushing like where your shoulder should have been and like phases through you in this dream state. Mm -hmm. And bulldozes into a wall of gnolls. And you can see them get scattered in different directions. They're all stabbing into her flesh and there's plumes of this like golden blood spraying out. And she's goring them and raising them up with her horns in her giant mammoth state. Ooh. Time to get fucked, you bastards! I love that she's still spicy. <laughs> like holy form. <laughs> Who would like to go next? Everybody's looking at me, so I guess I'll go. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> Lulu sort of pushes you out of the way and bowls into the uh, the front line of Knowles. And I, uh, <laughs> I I come up behind you and you feel my hand on the, the back of your armor. 
Is it true what they say about tossing dwarves? For you, anything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I throw her behind the front line so we can flank in the middle. Nice. All right. Uh, that is straight up athletics. It absolutely is. Uh, it's an 18 on the die oh, for a total yes. of 29. Would you like to capitalize by rolling a d6? I would. Okay. Four. All right. Um, you hear from behind you, Follow the dwarf! Swords up! Go! And you can see Haramon rides up on his gigantic winged steed. And he and his patrol of elite guards go rushing in to go help Ingrid. Oh, and I have... bulldoze into the wall. I yep. have feelings about this. <laughs> Make you feel some kind of way, does uh... it? Who would like to go next? That's uh, Marcus' success, by the way. Oh, okay. Um... I don't know if this necessarily builds, but it's an idea that I had. Do so, what you can. I'm not going to be super pissy about it. Yeah, so um, I'm going to make an assumption that we are defenders in this particular area, that they were coming at us. Yes. Is that, is that okay? Uh, the area around you, now that you get a better look at it, is you are defending what looks like a terrestrial settlement from these horde of gnolls. It looks like a, a small village, like a border village that's being assaulted by them. Okay. So, um, so while they're on one side, like making a, a ship mess like on one, one flank or one side of the thing... Um, I will yell off to um, the other side, and I'll basically yell, NOW! And then they'll pull ropes and revealing pits that I had had them dug. Yes! <laughs> the old willow trick! So I want to, uh, I'm assuming, um, the, the skill I picked was survival, because it sounds like a oh, pit yeah. digging trick, so yeah. I'm going to do that. Oh my god, that's only a 11. That's a shit roll. Uh, do you want somebody to try to help you on a d6 roll? I'm not going to tell you what it means if you fail. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you mean with that. Uh, there are a bunch of NPCs that may or may not be able to help. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I would have had assistance helping you right. do all of this. Uh, give me a d6 roll. Two. All right. So it's uh, 12, 13. I don't know if that lines up, but it's 13. Total. So as you see, they're trying to pull your, your like your pit traps up, and they're actually having trouble because the gnolls are standing on the tarps. They can't actually pull the tarps out. Uh, a little too slow on the And there's uh, a woman who shows up, and she's wearing like a white gown with a breastplate over it. And she comes by with this long, gnarled staff, and she's got a mace on her belt. And she puts a hand down, and she, like, taps one of the guys on the shoulder, and she casts uh, Enhance Ability for Strength. Oh, nice. And uh, you hear a couple guys in the background go, Is that Lady Yale? Lady Yale to the front line. And she taps a couple of these guys in the back and says, Pull! And they all rip up the tarpaulins, and all these guys go tumbling down into the pit. Nice. Nemea. This is the last one. Um, so I am... Seeing, like, you know, there's, you know, Xander's pits falling in and everything like that, and there's chaos and everything, and it seems like almost like that one scene in Game of Thrones where they're just climbing over the bodies. The pit has filled with bodies, and they're just starting to run over it. And I sort of extend both of my hands and push back with Thunderwave, because I'm a wizard and all I have is magic, and I'm trying to just sort of give a bit of respite to the front line. So I'm gonna use Arcana. Okay. Because that's. Da, 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 that's gonna be Ooh. ten. That's pretty bad. Do you want to call in one of these allies? Yeah, I'd love to do that. Give me that d6 roll. Five. Five. Uh, well, that's good news. It's one we haven't seen yet. Um, cool. You go to cast the thunder wave, and it, it, the, like, the magic peters out from you, and it just like there's a moment where you're like, ah! and the magic just doesn't come, and you're like, oh shit. And then from behind you, you, like there's a strong hand that sort of pushes you out of the way, and there's a six-foot-tall man in full plate mail who comes out, and he's got a giant pike that's covered in wreaths of flame. And uh, there's a couple of guys that come up, and there's a banner that they're carrying, and it's an elk aflame 
on the banner, and it reads uh, Lord Olanthius. Yes! <laughs> and uh, he, he turns to his men, and they like put the, the pikes up like they're going to defend, and a fireball comes launching from an artillery platform behind them and it hits the terrain in front of you, and gnolls go scattering off on fire in different directions. Uh, at this point, you can see that there is a hill in the background where like variously like gnolls have come up to fire crossbows. When they've run out of bolts, they drop their crossbows to come and engage in, in melee. At the top of the hill, there is a knoll who is dressed in uh, like purple finery. Um, he's got a big scar that goes from the top of the forehead, like across the eye and down to the chin. And he is conjuring up some sort of like purplish energy in his hands. And he starts lobbing balls of this like horrific, mutilating gas. And he, he like launches them into the battle lines, and people are getting torn apart by the gas as if it's like hungry ghosts. They tear in and pull flesh off of people, and it's uh, like an area of effect of like 10 feet wide, he's throwing into like tightly packed battle formations, and it's killing dozens of people. And that's when we get to the second round of the skill challenge, who'd like to go next? Uh, I'll go. Um, so, Dragomir threw me into the heat of battle, You are in the heatest of battle. Uh, I am going to use an athletics check to start buying uh, allies away from the gas, and pushing Knowles towards it. Excellent. All right, give me that check. 18. 18. Uh, you are bodying Knowles into the gas, and uh, at first it's slow going because it feels like you don't have the traction. Mm -hmm. Your boots are like sliding in the mud, mm -hmm. but eventually you do manage to get enough force pushed up behind you, and you realize it's because a lot of the guys behind you have at this point been killed mm -hmm. by Haraman's uh, bodyguards. Mm -hmm. And with a little bit of like reserve of strength from people behind you no longer pushing in different directions, you're able to give them a really good shove with the heft of your weapon, and you do actually feel like you're making progress. And you don't realize how much progress you're making until you realize that three or four ranks deep, you are now pushing them into a murder spree, where they're getting chewed up by this indiscriminate purple gas. Just like putting them in through a wood chipper. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Who would like to go next? Uh, I will go next. I'm going to take. I'm going to take a chance here because I'm not going to use my next highest skill, but I've got something in mind. Um, seeing that uh, that Ingrid's having so much success, like feeding gnolls to these hungry ghosts, um, I, I can see that the line's starting to waver, and I'm going to call on Sophirion, and I'm going to use animal handling because I want to ride him through the melee towards the skullcaster on the hill. Nice. And I want to. I, and I, if I can, I want to like ride by Ingrid and sort of like scoop her up as we go and. Put her on the saddle so we can. Oh, so you're cut the head off the you're uh, going to um, uh, Eowyn and Mary. Yes. Uh, yep. Eowyn and Pippin. Yep. Or no, Mary. Heroic is Pippin's, Pippin's in Gondor. Well, right. the die, the die roll will determine that because animal handling is not my specialty. Um, but I never get to use it, so. Can I help? No. No. Uh, I got a ten on the die, or ten total. Ten total. Uh, give me a d6 roll. That might matter. One. As you're riding your horse uh, into the battle lines, you see that there are a, uh, a platoon of gnolls that actually have long-handled tridents, uh, and they appear to be ready for what you're doing. Mm. Uh, in a way that's very surprising, because from what you've encountered in gnolls in the terrestrial experience, they are very like unruly and messy. Yeah. But these are like a, a hardened battle line of otherwise like human-like fighters mm -hmm. that manage to jam up the tridents into sulfurium. Oh. And the oh. horse discorporates under you, and you drop oh. eight feet to the ground. Oh. Fuck. Okay. Who's next? Uh, I'll go. Um, seeing that Dragomir has been unsuccessful in trying to go up the hill to stop the guy who is lobbing these claws of purple energy, I go to where the front line has been wavering, and I 
cast my hands out around me, and I cast Prayer of Healing, and I'm going to do a medicine check. Yeah! It's healing. Hell yeah! Uh, right, and I'm right, going right. to try to help revivify the front line and just get everybody up again. That's a 17. Woohoo! Fucking right. Um, <laughs> it's 24 if anybody cares. <laughs> as this happens, we see that there is, uh, like, you're about to cast this prayer of healing, and there are a number of null riders. They're actually riding, uh, like, tyrannosaur sized hyenas Jeez. into battle. Fuck. Uh, and, like, you, you're you like, I'm gonna cast this spell, it's gonna be great, and you look up, and they're riding hard on you, like, you're about to cast the spell and then die. And at that moment, there's this humongous impact, slam, as it comes down in front of you, and Zeriel comes down like a meteor, right into the turf, and dirt is, like, spraying up into the air, and you can feel it's hot on your face from the friction through the air as it blasts up from where she impacted, and suddenly this gigantic white sword, and all of a sudden, these, like, tyrannosaur-sized hyenas collapse onto the ground, their legs are severed, and they just collapse down and whimper like dogs uh, as the gnolls are forced to get up off of their mounts, or in some cases get rolled underneath them and get crushed. Uh, and she uh, provides this divine shield between you and the gnolls as she goes to combat with them. Xander, take us home. So, um, so I sort of envision that I'm kind of like commanding other archers. Absolutely. And I see that, um, Ingrid is is sort of mushing moles into whatever this cloud is. <laughs> the garbage cloud. disposal, just like. <laughs> yeah. But on the other side of the garbage disposal, there are other moles, and what I want to do is pin them in with a cordon of arrows so that they can't escape either, and so they're also going to get munched on on the other side because I'm seeing that this is like a nice thing to do. So while, while you're sending them one way, I'm going to try to send them the other way. So I don't know what check that is, but I want to give all my archers orders to fire in that spot and. Push the rolls back that way. Well, yeah, for good skills. Well, I was going to do investigation to see if I could find the right spot, but my, my shitty skill is persuasion to tell them what to do. Persuasion or intimidation seem like what you're going for narratively, but I want to give you some flexibility. Well, you know, I'm giving orders, so intimidation actually makes sense. All right, I'm if you want to go with intimidation, I'm on board. And I have to uh, convince them. Yeah. Shoot there. You're like barking the orders. Crit. Nice! Yes! <laughs> Take inspiration. <laughs> You print on a charisma, uh, charisma check. Charisma check. <laughs> Alright, uh, actually, I have a scene prepared for a crit. Mm, Alright! Yes! Uh, you crit, and the gnolls are being pushed back into the morass of purple gas. Uh, and you hear the... And following that, you can hear a voice... Um, it's a monstrous, echoing voice. It sounds like it's being spoken by many voices in unison. It's also speaking in Abyssal, so anybody who speaks Abyssal can translate it. Actually, I think I can. Yeah, me too. I think yeah, everyone does now. Who's that? Oh, no, the arrow. Arrow. No, arrow. no, the arrow. The arrow gives you the ability to The arrow lets you speak it, yeah. Or understand it, I think. Uh, and you hear, Cast off! Cast off! Demons of the Abyss! Two arms! Two arms! We ride for the flag of Yale! At Yale we strike! Yeah! <laughs> what the fuck is and this? the knoll on top of the hill, his flesh sloughs off. It parts in the middle and slides off of him to reveal an insectoid form. It's a chitinous winged demonic insect that takes to the air and flies to the bullhorn's command. To Yale we ride! <laughs> Fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. Not, not a fan. Uh, as this occurs, everyone sort of looks up in terror at what's going on, uh, and this super heroic music is replaced by something quite a bit more pensive. Uh-oh. 
Uh, as the demon gnoll's skin sloughs away, the fields of Idle Glen, which is where you are, begin to decay once more into thick black sludge. Then you hear something that sounds like uh, metal on metal, like a clanging against a cheap gong. Then you hear, Worthless junk! Worthless! Align, you thrice-cursed pile of bile girl dung! Align, damn you! Don't worry, I'll get this fixed. <laughs> the sludge churns for a moment longer, and then it grows still. There's just a black void that seems to press in from all sides. You are no ogres. Identify yourselves. I am Dragomir, a paladin of the Threefold God, who is speaking. Anybody else speak before waiting for a response? Ingrid throws Ducky. Ah, screw it, I ain't got much to lose. Hi, I'm Nemea! <laughs> How's it going? Any word from Zanzer? Yeah, um, I'm trying to look at my history to remember what the fuck I uh, was. Um, <laughs> yes, I am, I, I am Zanzer of the uh, 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 Hero of Sucumber. As you uh, respond, this black pall of your vision sort of separates out, and you are standing in front of an angel who is astride a gigantic war mammoth that you recognize as Lulu. Oh. But do we recognize the angel? Uh, as Zeriel. Oh, fuck. Go, go figure. Um, it, Lulu is lit up as if golden flames dance throughout her fur. Zeriel is astride. The sudden light also reveals a number of irregularly outfitted soldiers led by a woman with long black hair. You recognize her as Yale. Zeriel says, Know ye that I am Zeriel, by the compact of old, and in heed of your call, I return to you in your hour of need. The woman smiles and walks forward. I am Yale of Idle Glen, and we are sore pressed, my lady. Zeriel dismounts and extends her hand, clasping Yale's. I am glad to meet you, Yale of Idle Glen. Then there's this horrible metal screeching sound, like machinery gone wrong, and the vision separates and tatters. It just tears apart like fabric. Hold on in there. Uh, one of the bile ducks has gotten wedged open. I'll take care of it just a moment. From this point, your vision goes black, and you're only hearing voices, though many of the voices are voices that you recognize. Yinogu has returned. He raises the settlements in the winding water. You get no reference to who that is, just a voice you're not familiar with. Then you hear a female voice. Chizakiel has betrayed all we believe in. You must see that. To hell with her, if that's what she wants. But we would break our oath to follow her. That is zero. Then you hear a voice that sounds uh, very familiar from the vision you saw of the tempter when Zeriel was captured by devils. Which of us do you think sees more clearly? Then you hear Ezreal's voice again. The demon lord flees before our wrath, and he has taken one of our own to rescue and salvation. Charge! Then you hear the voice of uh, a familiar Rakshasa, which you just murdered. Mahadi. My friend, you will find the aid of the Emporium to be all that you would ever wish. And finally, you hear two voices you recognize, Zeriel and then Yale. It may be madness, but will you join me? Aye. Let's dream a little bigger. 
and then... You hear Yale continue to speak, but her voice is changing. The words that are coming out are no longer a language that you recognize, but it sounds like words of magic, like an eldritch chant. They seem to be pulling at you. Then your vision becomes clear. You find yourselves surrounded by this gentle undulation of light, like the surface of a scrying queen. You see Yale and Lulu in mammoth form on board an infernal ferry sailing down the river Styx. The ferry has been hulled. It's slewed to one side and it's slowly sinking. The ferry is surrounded by demons. Lulu has just gored two of them with her tusks and with a shake of her head hurls them overboard into the river. Yale is desperately casting a spell. Her chanting voice is literally drawing you to it. Would anybody care to resist this draw? It's drawing us into the river sticks. Drawing you into the encounter occurring on the river sticks. I am going to try to resist. Please, like a wisdom saving throw. Yeah. I am not. I'm, I want to get in on I this. I just... <laughs> I'm just worried. Uh, 15? Uh, that is a success. Okay. Anybody else? Nope. Okay. Um, so, it feels like Xander always so like attacks from range, so he doesn't want to be drawn into the melee. Does that count? Uh, like it's sort to... of up to Xander, because you're not really sure what this means. In a spiritual or metaphysical kind of way. Can I tell what Dragomir is doing? <laughs> I am not resisting. Do I know that? I would say yes. Then I will reluctantly follow along. God damn it. <laughs> Big oaf, you're going to get me killed in that army. Alright. Slipping a tongue. Anybody with more than a plus two modifier for Arcana can go ahead and give me an Arcana roll. Or anybody with more than a plus two of religion can do the same. Oh. More than okay. I don't know. Uh, does it Yep. Yeah. Everybody who's seeing this, which includes the mayor. Yeah, seventeen. Okay. Uh, Fifteen. Twenty-two. Okay. Uh, is Zanza rolling or no? I, I don't. I don't have one plus two on either. Uh, all three of you who made the rolls can recognize what Yale is casting as a summon celestial spell. Oh, okay. The two of you who chose not to resist are being pulled into the nightmare vision as if you are the celestial oh, being summoned. Oh, summoning us. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> or an <laughs> answer shot. I mean, I'm borderline at this point. I shoot things with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yale is casting the summon celestial spell. You are drawn through this undulating surface of the vision as if being submerged through the scrying pool. Uh, you manifest as celestial spirits summoned on the day that Gale and Lulu were fleeing from the demons on the river sticks. Yale says, well, it seems the gods can hear us, even here. And uh, we are now in another one round skill challenge. Those of you who are drawn through us, everybody except for the man. Okay. Demons are uh, trying to capsize the vessel. It's already sinking. There's already holes in it. Yale and Lulu are the only occupants. Besides you as spirits, you have the ability to fly, you look like angelic spirits when you look down at yourselves. Uh, but shadow demons, Vrocks, uh, as well as Barl Gura are throwing barrels onto the ship trying to weigh it down. Mm. Can I... Barl Gura throwing barrels? Barl Gura looks just like... Like gorillas. Yeah, gorillas. Yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I will... Uh, if they're throwing barrels at us, I will, uh, let's play some catch. I'll use my athletics and try to catch the barrel and throw it back at them. Excellent. Give me a roll. Non-natural 20. What's your total? Non-natural 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's non-natural. <laughs> my brain is not, uh, yeah. Yeah. um, fail. 
What? Oh, fuck. All right. Um, I well, am going to... You said I can fly? Uh, you can fly, yes. The flying uh, and, and the daylight trick with Flander uh, Ventamper seemed to be work wonders, so I'm going to fly up like sort of in the air between the attacking forces and the ship and cast daylight and just try to intimidate them with the celestial power of divine light. Give me that intimidate check. Girl. Ten. All right. Uh, you cast this and you can hear this cascade of laughter. <laughs> and a like total herd of dretch. Possibly as many as a hundred dretch start marching in formation into the waters of the sticks. And as soon as they enter the waters, they're like obviously there's there's nothing there. They're they're gone. Right. But they're still bodies, and they start using the bodies of the dretch to mount an assault. You can see that there are demons who are stepping on the heads of now mindless dretch to get to the boat to fight Yale and making Lula. a flesh bridge. Zanzer. Yeah, I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna. I was actually gonna do a similar intimidation thing, except in my case because I can. Cordon of Arrows, which is a shit ton of arrows, and I have my, my Horizon Walker, which lets them be forced. I'm basically floating in the air, and I'm, I'm casting what in my head are like just a rain of holy arrows on these people to try to intimidate them away. All right. So it's very similar. That's uh, 20, non natural 20. Alright, fail. Fuck. That's what I thought. Yes. Question. This is a loser's quest here. Am I, am I seeing this from like an omniscient kind of like over... You're watching it as if watching through a scrying pool. Okay. Or like it's happening in Sioux 6. Is, yeah. am, I, am I able to glean anything that they might not from seeing it from a different point of view? Yes, but if you try and communicate it, they can't hear you. Okay. Okay. So what happens is uh, you are trying desperately mm-hmm. uh, to try and repel these forces by throwing the barrel back. And as you receive the barrel, the barrel has enough force that you are struck by it. It hits you in the chest, and for a second you think you're dying. And you can actually see your hands start to discorporate in the mist, and you start to vanish and fade. Oh, God. Uh... Your vision is obscured by black. Dragonmere, you are also trying to sort of force them back with this show of force, but when you do cast this daylight spell, you hear the cackling, and maniacal cackling, and demonish moles. And uh, you are struck by a series of crossbow bolts. And as they rip into your flesh, you can feel them penetrate your skin, and they start to uh, melt away into black energy. Zanzer, you actually feel like you're making progress as you're making this cordon of arrows to keep them from progressing, because you're sinking a lot of the dredge that they're using for a bridge. But then the bodies start to float, and they start to get closer and closer. And Lady Yale has one boat war that she's desperately trying to push this fucking kayak away from everything that's trying to kill them as Lulu is panicking, <laughs> pacing back and forth and weighing way too much for this boat. Well, I suppose it is, you know, a dream, not time travel, so it's... It's, it's fine. It's all fine. It's so if they all... Do I see what happens after they die? So what happens is, uh, from your point of vision, you've got sort of like this cone where you can see everything and it terminates outside of that cone, and you can see that she's pushing the boat with the oar desperately and she gets it out of your arc of vision. And then you don't know what happens to you after that. Okay. Well, I mean, kind of do. You know who snatches her at some point. Now you're back in the sort of white wasteland. There are no more features. It's just the four of you strapped to your tails. And Lulu in the middle. And then there's like this feeling like gravity has sort of captured you. And your restraints are gone. You can move your arms and legs. But you're just falling. 
But you have no reference for how you're falling because you're in a white landscape and there are no landmarks. You're just, you can feel it in your gut that you are dropping. There's wind resistance on your face. And then Lulu disappears and you see Lulu again in her war mammoth form and Lady Yale is astride her. They're riding over the Avernian wastelands. Then there's this flicker, like static. And it's just Lulu flying by herself. Then there's more static. And then it's Lulu, but she's replaced by her smaller elephant form. Then there's more static. And now it's Lady Yale and she's just walking. But she's walking while falling towards the surface of Avernus. The vision is wrong. Then there's another flicker of static, and you see Lulu in her smaller elephant form. She's flying across the red sands of Avernus. The sands are shifting to a silvery color, and the skies darken and fill with a cascade of diamond-like stars shining bright. Lulu fades away. You're standing on a beach. The wine-dark waves are gently lapping a beach of gleaming silver sand. Arranged on the beach are eight pairs of frozen figure. Each pair are the same two people in different positions and poses. One of them is Lulu, in her smaller form, and the other is Zeriel. They are all frozen as if statues. You each now are reunited on the beach. Are the statues... Does it appear to be like a sequential movement and like just screen grabs basically of like... The way I would describe it is that you're standing on a beach. It's a long, narrow beach, mm-hmm. and there are sequences that are further and further away. So the closest pair of statues, Zariel is standing, and mm-hmm. she's looking up at the sky, and Lulu is curled down by her feet like a cat. And uh, they are frozen, as if frozen in time, and their colors are in grayscale. The beach is silver, the waters are dark, but even in spite of that, you can tell that color exists here, but they are frozen in this sort of two-tone landscape. Does it does it look like the, the statues are they're like different iterations down the beach? The same two people, but in different poses. Can we see what the other poses are? Mm-hmm. Um... One of them is uh, a statue of Zeriel walking through the waves, and uh, Lulu is standing on the beach. One of them is Lulu and Zeriel standing side by side. They are looking up at the stars. One of them is Zeriel and Lulu sitting at a campfire facing each other. One of them is Lulu and Zeriel. They are sitting on a log, and they're sitting side by side. One of them is Lulu in her full mammoth form, and Zeriel is petting her head. One of them is Zeriel hovering a few feet off the ground with her wings spread. She appears to be laughing. Lulu is on the ground in her small form, looking up at her. And the final one is Zeriel is sketching something in the sand with a finger. And Lulu is flying in the air and looking down over her shoulder at what she's illustrating. The dude, like, is it? Yeah, how complete is the illustration? Not. Okay. Can, are, can we touch them? You try it. The, the closest one to me, I'll just like reach out and try to touch it. When you touch the first pair of statues, alright, you touch the statue. Yes. There is a flicker of static in your eye the same way it was a moment ago. The statues appear to move and they start to speak. Zeriel says, 
I look out over the vast gulfs of the multiverse. Uh, I can't speak as a Madrid intruder. I look out over the vast gulfs of the multiverse, and I am sick for the need of change. If change is what you're looking for, you'll need to look somewhere new to find it. It's these mortals. Speaking with them, feeling the heat and the fleeting speed of their passion, it's aroused in me the truth. We may be eternal, but they're not. And if we fail them, our eternity makes the failure all the greater. Could mortals really make such a difference in your heart? And the statue stopped. Did everybody get to witness that or just yes, me? Yes, everyone saw it. Okay. Um, then I guess... Uh, we touched we'll, all the statues. Yeah, we'll go systematically one down the line. All right. Uh, on the second one, uh, the second statue is uh, Zeril walking through the waves. And when the infinite forces of the abyss sweep down upon us, then we'll fight. <laughs> but no, once a beachhead exists, others will flock to our cause. I am not the only disaffected angel. Give them a chance and they will seize it. The next step is uh, Lulu and Zeril standing side by side, looking at the stars. From the powers of heaven? You're certainly following your advice. Your dream's impossibly large. Perhaps, but we'll dream it together? Eh, forever. The next one is uh, Zeril and Lulu sitting on the beach facing each other. You already have an army! Uh, you, you mean Yale? And her militia, yeah! It's a force for banded ogres, not demon wars. But it could be. Then it's Lulu and Zeril sitting side by side on a log. They will not appreciate having their hand being forced. And we're gonna have to keep it a secret. For as long as we're able. Next is Zeril petting the top of Lulu's head. So it's gonna be a crusade. A crusade of the valiant, whose courage will never be broken. Next is Zeril hovering a few feet off the ground. Her wings are spread. She's laughing. And Lulu is looking up at her. They have. They have made all the difference. And perhaps that is the key. From eternity, nothing can change. But if the mortals are given a chance, what kind of chance? To fight. To take up swords and say their destiny is their own. They're no longer children. They will no longer stand by idly while gods and godlings waste their eternity. In the final pair, Zeril is sketching something in the silver sand with her finger, and Lulu is hovering in the air. But to what end? To disrupt the balance. Demons versus devils. Heaven versus hell. The great wheel is a trap. It turns and never ends. We will break it. How? Where? The blood war. The powers of heaven refuse to intervene, to break an eternal cycle, endlessly consuming mortal souls. But if we created a second front, if we broke the balance, that might be all it would take. And the statue stop. And we can't see what's being sketched in the sand. Uh, it appears to be like a battle plan, but you don't know, you don't have the frame of reference to know what she's sketching. So... So Zeriel's having an eternal midlife crisis. Yeah. This is post-fall? Pre-fall. She's an angelic form. This Blue is, is still a mammoth. Why she wanted to fight in the Blood War. 
why the writers and why all that stuff happened. Because so, why else you wouldn't need them? You know, if right. it's just demon and devil, welcome. But. She she needed she needed the mortals to to do the fighting. She led the mortals into hell to overbalance the blood war so that one side would win and stop consuming souls. And it sounds like Lulu was complicit, or at least was at first. Does is Lulu here? She's not with the four of you. The four of you are staying on the beach. You can see each other. If I, like, call out, is there, like, I'm like, Lulu? Like, is there any response? There is. Uh, your vision swims and you're no longer on the silver beaches. <clears throat> Zeril is astride Lulu, and General Yale is beside them on her black charger. The battle flags of Yale's crusaders are nearby. They stand atop a small rise on the Avernian plains and are surrounded by a vast array of soldiers. Serial speaks. The demon army is buckling under Alanthius' assault. I think Haramon may be able to catch them in a pincer and end Yinogu's terror for all time. Yale responds, I agree. As long as my army holds strong, we can keep the devil army engaged until the bloody work is done. At that moment, a desperate trumpet sounds across the battlefield. Zeriel, Yale, and Lulu all jerk their heads around in surprise. Yale says, I gave no order. Lulu says, yeah, what, what's happening? Yale grabs a hold of Lulu's fur and shouts, fly, we need to see. Lulu launches into the sky, carrying both Yale and Zeriel into a formation of Pegasus riding crusaders. Yale yells, report. And a rider responds, Sunstar's platoon has sounded a retreat. What? The call is spreading. Looking down, they could see a huge section of Yale's army is peeling away towards the large portal through which Inogu led the Crusaders into Avernus in the first place. Small units from other sections of the army, including some of Haramon's and Olanthius's, are following. Zeril, what has he done? And one of the riders says, what should we do? And Yale looks to Zeril and sees her despair, and for a moment it floods over her, and she looks absolutely in despair as well. And then there's this steely strength as she catches her breath, and her back straightens, and she says, Send a messenger. Order Jander to turn back, then rally the rest of the reserve. We're going to charge the army. We have to keep them off of Haramon's back. And the doubt vanishes from Zeriel's eyes. The rest of you form up on me. We'll need to intercept those flying devils. Keep them off the riders below. Yale lets go of Lulu and plunges down into the army waiting below. Mad Maggie can be heard again. Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, one moment, the cotton box is, is rattling up a storm. Following Zeriel's orders, the Pegasi begin gathering into a three-dimensional formation over battle. The cotton box is resonating with something in there. Uh, a powerful memory. Hang on. Uh, I've got a shifter around here somewhere. You can hear rattling noises, the sound of metallic items being thrown around. Then something that sounds kind of like an arrow being withdrawn from a river. Okay. Pegasi are now in formation. Zeriel's eyes dart to the portal where Jandar Sunstar and the Hellriders are fleeing back into the material plane, and they are not coming back. The portal snaps shut. Zeriel orders the charge. Oh, I've got it! There's a screeching sound of metal on metal. The memories that you're in begin to glitch. You're a few minutes earlier. Yale is still clinging to the side of Lulu. We're going to charge the Devil Army! It continues to glitch. It repeats. It's leaping, uh, looping. We're going to turn, you bastard! You hear Mad Maggie's voice. It continues to glitch. It repeats again. 
Yeah, let's go. And falls. And falls. And falls. The ground is gone. She falls. There it is. The sound of a clutch box is screeching, and then the gears slam into place. And the battlefield melts away. And the memory is gone. Gale stands next to Lulu on the Avernian wastelands. They are alone. Gale slumps against Lulu's side, clutching her fur to stay on her feet. She is looking towards the horizon. There is a huge cloud of dust. Some massive force is approaching. She turns and looks in the opposite direction. A cluster of black spots can be seen in the distance. They're far away, but Lulu's sharp eyes can see them. They are demons, and they are getting nearer. It's done. There's no place left to run. There has to be something we can do. There is. Do you trust me, Lulu? To the very end. Yale draws the Sword of Zeriel. It bursts with golden, divine light. A beacon which seems to call out a challenge to the approaching forces of evil. Yale rises the sword high above her head. To all the gods of the seven heavens, I plead for your aid. In the name of Zeriel, Solar of Celestia, in the name of Yale of Idleweb, in the name of the mortal souls who have died in this noble cause, I beg a boon to fulfill the final wish of a dying angel. I beg you not to forsake the greatest and most daring of your warriors. Lulu rears back on her hind legs, raises her trunk, and trumpets. The sound is deafening, yet simultaneously soothing. You can feel the Holophant pouring her own celestial essence into Yale's call, the sympathetic resonance of her trumpet echoing across the Avernian plains as she drives Yale's plea into the plains. And there was an answer. Not a voice, perhaps, but a presence riding Lulu's trumpet back across the planar boundaries. Yale looks absolutely crushed by the weight of the emotional response. Lathander, thank you. And then she plunges the sword down into the rocky surface of the Avernian wastelands. There is a huge burst of holy light and it consumes her body utterly. Yale, no! She can feel Yale pouring her own life force into the gift that Lathander has offered them. Yale looks up at Lulu and smiles in ghostly form. All that's left now is the dream. Remember to dream a little bigger. The light intensifies. It's blinding and it never seems to end. And then it does. Rising from the ground, the confluence of his holy might and mortal sacrifice is an alabaster fortress. Here the sword will be protected. Here the sword will be safe. But the skein of Avernus itself rebels at its holy touch. The wastelands seethe and boil in pustulential eruption. A cancerous, bloody cyst surges upwards, engulfing <laughs> the fortress and Yale and Lulu. The vision ends. And you are all once again in Mad Maggie's house. Strapped to the dream machine. Zanzer, you have the most monstrous perception. Okay. When you come to, it takes some time to sort of gather your wits about you and look about the room. Maggie seems very pleased with herself. Vice looks very confused. He's not sure why he was here. Number of red captors standing around the perimeter of the room, and they seem to be in a, a sort of reverence that you haven't seen from them. It seems like Mad Maggie has cowed them more than anything else. In the middle of the room, strapped to the table, uh, where Lulu's impish form once was, 
is the form of a woolly mammoth, about uh, two feet long. Hello! She's so cute! <laughs> Lulu, you look glorious. Thanks, Chief. And then she passes out. <laughs> Which she would be tired. Okay, I know that we're all in the middle of like a really emotional moment about what we just saw. We've all learned so much, but I fucking told all of you about that fucking earth zit that we stopped at. I and, I, and I hold up the vial of zit juice and I go, motherfuckers! <laughs> I shake it and see if zero swords in there. I don't think we got the right one. It's not a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> but we know where it is. <laughs> 